0: Welcome to Content Insiders, brought to you by Acrolinks, the AI-powered platform that eliminates content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at enterprise scale. For more information on Acrolinx, stay tuned until the end of this broadcast or visit us at www.acrolynx.com. In this episode of Content Insiders, AcroLinks CEO Walker Smith will speak with Sarah Gilbertson-Lott, Customer Service Manager for Connected Knowledge and Product Support at SubZero about how her company differentiates, keeps, and wins customers through the content they create. Good morning and good afternoon. Um, my name is Fokker Schmidt. Um, today I'm being joined by Sarah, Sarah gilbertson Lay, um, out of Madison, Wisconsin. Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hello. Thank you. My name is Sarah Gilbertson-Lai, and I'm with SubZero Group. I have been with SubZero Group for about 20 years, and during that time, have worked in various roles in customer service. Today, my team is made up of a team that primarily creates content to support the organization throughout um, entire product life cycles and processes and administrative procedures. But the other couple of functions of my team also provide present product support and new product development support, as well as um, connected appliance support. So we kind of, I like to describe it as we sit at the center of change. So connected technology is ever changing. Um, New product development puts us at the cutting edge of new products and technologies so we can capture them and create content to support them. And then present product support keeps us involved in the technical aspects of emerging issues or new findings that happen as a product um, is used in the field. And consumers start recognizing the, how to use the product and what types of problems and issues pop up too. So really content from cradle to grave to support all of our products and services. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's, that's what we support today throughout the organization.
0: Great. Thanks for joining, Sarah. And um, you gave me a couple of informations already. And let me just jump on this. You said, you're almost 20 years with the group. And if we roll back 20 years in the year 2000, I think the state of the content was a very, very different one. Pretty much defined that I think in the year 2000, we had globally less than 100 million people connected to the internet. So, the, the regular means of interacting with content was more physical than digital. I think today, with 3.5 billion people connected to the internet, the game has changed completely. That content is now the major means of interacting with clients and retailers in the middle. And so, from I think it moved entirely from the edge to the core of making enterprises successful today. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. I can remember when I started with Sub-Zero Group, we were much smaller than we are today. And I think our website had two pages. So we had a home page and we had one other page. And I remember when I started looking at it as a resource, trying to find information there, and there was really nothing to be had other than our phone number and our address. Yeah. And, um, and, and to your point of, you know, the, the physical means, I mean, I remember... Tabbing and writing in, um, you know, printed manuals because we didn't have digital resources and we weren't Looking at electronic documents at the time even so absolutely can resonate with that and we've we've come so far and now our website has Thousands and thousands of pages and I can't imagine a world without digital information at our fingertips. So It has definitely evolved.
0: It went fast. I do remember that HP registered their first website in the year 19, I think 88, with five pages. And now they have millions. So interesting transformation. So we have transformed the industry quite a bit in the last 20 years and content became one of the major means of interacting with clients, defining brands and defining also the value of the brands pretty much. Still, one of my biggest surprises is always that content, if, you, if, if I have interaction with CEOs or boardrooms, which I have quite frequently, I would ask them directly, say, ask them, so what do you believe is the value of your content? The normal response of that is, I am, I don't, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. So first I have to define what is content. Then they say, yeah, we have a website then I reiterate and say, so what is the value of the content on your website? They would again, probably say, I actually don't know. And then in the third iteration, I would say, if you would be the CEO of an average global life science company, you would have 2.5 million pages and each page production cost was $1,500. So you've invested money into the content sits around 4 billion. That then creates an interesting conversation at the tail end of these three iterations. Have you been able to establish as a brand that sells via retailers, a retailer, so luxury brand? Have you been able to establish a concept of content as an asset or the value of content content inside your organization?
1: Well, I would say that we're working on it. Definitely a challenge, and you know, coming from the customer service world, there's a lot of um, metrics and quantification that we can wrap around some of the value that we get out of the, our content in customer service. But when we start looking across the business, that's where it becomes more challenging. As we work with, um, you know, how much time are we taking or spending of our new product development teams? All the way through to our business unit teams to help create and curate content and keep it relevant so the and then our marketing team as well you know we we create similar content that as they do and sometimes uh you know keeping things in line too and figuring out where the value lies within all of our teams is it's a little disjointed because there's not a central content business a content unit but the um Definitely a challenge, but something that we're working on, because until everyone realizes the value of content that sometimes gets overlooked, but that all of us living in the content world know, we, the organization can't thrive without it. Um, you know, we we simply couldn't function, especially in the world of customer service. We couldn't go a single hour without content, because in some way, shape, or form, everyone needs it to answer questions, to support <clears throat> everyone who touches our product from the time it leaves our, 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 our customer's home and thereafter. So trying to help everyone realize that value is something we've been working on and um, won't stop until it, it is part of uh, what is on, it's seen as an asset across the organization. So definitely yeah. a challenge to come up with how to quantify it though, that if anyone has a magic formula, I would be happy to pay for it and <laughs> sign up for it. It's uh, one of those things that, you know, There's so many different places and areas where you can capture some value, but really quantifying it in a way that's reusable and consistent has been, it's really challenging.
0: I think there is no standard template that one could apply, but I think there needs to be something like a balanced scorecard for every enterprise. Because there's, sometimes there's a viewpoint on content that is being defined as the cost or the speed of creating it sometimes it's being defined more from a performance angle. So how much content is being consumed by the outside world and how frequently, and um, what's the engagement score on this? How fast would somebody bounce off or how long would somebody stay engaged? So there's so many data points that one could gather around content. So there's no lack of data to establish a balanced scorecard for an enterprise, both from a cost, a speed, also from a risk perspective and a performance perspective. So the data points are there. I think it's, it needs to create a conscious effort to create it. Because both of us, we would agree, an enterprise without content cannot exist anymore. From 20 years ago, two pages on your home page to now thousands of pages, and who knows how many documents, right? that's a defining asset of the it became a defining asset of the company so let's create a balanced scorecard going forward
1: absolutely i think um helping one of the other things i know we've talked about is helping the entire organization recognize that value because i think a lot of times it is taken for granted so what we've done is built a team that gets Um, cross-functional recognition, and we try to share the value of that content all the way from the new product development process where we're sharing insights and input that we might have had about products over many years of existing products and how they can incorporate that information into new product development and recognize the value there and how we can not only help avoid um, repeat mistakes, but maybe even recognizing things that we hadn't thought about in conceptualizing a new product. Then on the other side of things, as we look at present product support, you know, we are feeding to those teams information that we might not have, they might not have because there are things that are happening with content, that maybe don't show up as uh, you know an issue in a warranty repair or something like that, <clears throat> that they're very tuned into, but it might be happening on the fringe and content is telling us the story that people are looking for this information or they're having trouble using a product or they're having a problem they're solving themselves that doesn't ever show up on, on their radar and really trying to show those teams and the entire organization, how the information we're getting from the use of content can help not only develop those new and emerging um, products, but also support the products that we're manufacturing today. Yeah, Yeah, and how we capture that value is very, very, it's a very interesting as this all unfolds, how we work together to try to define some of that value and the actual numbers that can wrap around it,
0: so. I think a good starting point would be to kind of compile all the metrics that you have already and then ask yourself or the organization, so what are the metrics of all of them that we have that matter most? Um, We had recently an interesting conversation with one other company who said, we actually found out that, um, yeah, we have this metric called call deflection, same as you mentioned, But then they found out that there was a a direct relationship between the relational NPS that they gather once a quarter and the churn in that company, the customer churn. So the correlation causation between relational NPS and churn was so high that it landed on the tables of the executives and then the quality of content was directly correlated to relational NPS. So in that company, it took them only three months to find out, okay, it's the relational NPS and the interconnectivity with content and the impact of content on that score. So that went fairly easy, fairly fast, I would say.
1: That is so true. You know, in 20 years of working with content in various forms, um, Lately, especially with the world today, um, we've seen so much more of people who are looking to the content even before they buy the product and then thereafter. Um, So absolutely a direct correlation to their satisfaction. I've seen more verbatim comments in the past year from customers stating, you know, we will or won't buy this product because of the quality of the content and the information that we can get after we purchase it. It's a very interesting time because the more I mean, think about it. When when we want to know an answer or we have a, a question about a product we own, anything we own today, the first place we go is to the content. Yeah, we're seeking it out ourselves, and we want to be able to do something as simple as go to Google and search for the information yeah. and find a reliable answer. So,
0: yeah, we will probably find out at the later in the later part of this year that the human interaction with search engines has increased ever since we've been locked into a room for quite some time. And our habits to engage with content has increased probably by, I don't know, 10, 20, maybe even 30%. So that before we make a transaction, we all feel fully informed. I would, I would agree. If you, so me, myself, I've done that in the past three months more frequently than in the years before. That's for sure. So even in my small world doing stuff on the internet, I think content has become more precious than even before. Let's talk about one other aspect. And and that is, we all agree, content is one of the defining means of an enterprise. So that means an enterprise needs an organization that holistically cares and manages and governs the content. But again, today's reality would suggest that sometimes content is a piece that sits in marketing, sometimes it sits in customer service. There's also a segment of content that sits probably more in legal or HR. I don't know, but it sits in many places, whereas the CEO probably has a desire that all of this should be managed holistically. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think some of the challenges that we probably all see come from uh, stem from the fact that there isn't this centralized office, and um, you know, a centralized content <clears throat> core could help with some of not only content content governance initiatives, but also some of the focus on um, showing the value, getting this to be uh, the recognition that it is an asset to the organization and getting all of those functional members, you know, marching to the same drum. Because um, although I'm very fortunate, we work in an organization where we're very collaborative and work very closely together with other functional areas, it's still, um, you know, it definitely, there's more hurdles and challenges and more effort invested, I think, in trying to make that consistency and create that value and, Um, you know, try and move things towards a common place because every functional area, of course, has their own objectives and budgets to maintain and, you know, things that might stand in our way today where if it was a centralized office, you know, I like the comparison that you've made to the supply chain because that's exactly what it is. This is a function that supports our business as a manufacturing organization from the inception of an idea of a product to the day that we stop supporting the last one that's running and in order to do that well you know you really a centralized team would would be ideal Um, like i said we do we do well with what we have today i'm lucky we we have a very um supportive and cross-functional organization and the way that we built our team to to be part of that new product to present product support and stay at the center of change really helps us but yeah, it definitely presents some challenges too, working separately. There's still other teams creating content, and um, when you have that, you know, everyone kind of has their idea of governance and who should own the con- what content, and yeah.
0: Last question I have for last part of the interview is, uh, we have the year 2020, and it's in, by all means, a defining year. So let's look forward the next five years and ask ourselves, so what are some of the breakthrough things that can happen to the content industry in the next five years? When I look at it, quite frankly, I look at it and say, wow, there's so much going on. Um, video is content today. Well, definitely audio is content, but then you have voice assistants, you have HoloLenses lenses coming up. Uh, you have all kinds of content delivery mechanisms And sometimes that looks even overwhelming to me say, wow, the content organizations have to cope already with so many things internally, but then the evolution of the consuming element is at such a high grade. What are the three defining things that you're looking at for the next three to five years that we're coming down your way?
1: Yeah I think that one of the things for sure is trying to tie the use of content to that end consumer so that we can not only understand what they're looking for as early as they start shopping for an appliance all the way through their customer journey um, but also to start customizing and tailoring to that specific person exactly what we know they need based on the use of AI to understand that type of customer Right, because today I can't tell you about a customer who went to our website and started searching for an appliance all the way through their ownership experience, right, and how we led them down the right or wrong path based on their specific needs, um, to be able to customize their journey for them. I think that's one thing for sure. And, and that ties directly to that value chain too, right? Being able to understand, you know, how do we help and support that customer throughout their life cycle? <clears throat> so that's one thing, being able to trace that customer and tailor their experience. I think another thing is definitely taking some of those newer technologies and making them more, you um, producible by the content team. So things like AR and VR today, you know, we're looking at really high costs and expense to do some of those things, but we know the value is there for some use cases, definitely, you know, I know it, we, we get into technical content as well and being able to operationalize some of those functions and make, um, for example, AR training videos for a service technician to conduct extremely complicated um, repairs on refrigerant systems, um, you know things like that, but be able to create that content the same way we create an animation out of a, a model today, out of an engineering model today. So operationalizing some of those more complex technologies is something we have on the radar. And then finally, being able to serve up content in the smallest bits possible so that we can deliver it at any place throughout the experience Mm -hmm. Um, that comes from both uh, appliances that are connected to the internet and we know what's happening with them and being able to serve up those little bits to consumers or technicians to help them resolve or you know um, get closer to what the problem is before they know about it but also starting to learn using that same AI and applying it and learning, you know, from the appliance and being able to serve up to the appliance small bits of what it should do, in order to resolve the issue. Content can support the translation of that appliance to anybody, and I think that that's um, really a challenge. You know, I know we. T- the, the words micro content and everything are growing in the last couple of years. But I think a way to serve up those little bits without overwhelming the creation of content is going to be key to, to our world. You know, People want things in shorter bits, they want them in videos or animations or whatever. And I think being able to serve it up in the smallest pieces possible to answer the specific needs of that user are going to be key to success in the future.
0: That was definitely great insight, Sarah. Thank you for joining me this morning and uh, providing the insight. It was a great flow of questions and answers and perspectives. Truly enjoyed it. Many, many thanks, Sarah. And uh, stay healthy and safe.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day.
2: Thank you. Bye. Meet Peter Page. He's just your average piece of enterprise content. Ready to engage educate, and convert your target audience. But in the process of getting to your audience, your content has to pass through different teams and layers of approval. If your enterprise doesn't have a practice of active content governance, things can get messy. Content chaos happens when your content has a different style, tone, or terminology, depending on who writes it and where it is written. Maybe your content lacks a native level fluency or different teams use different words and phrases to describe your product to consumers. Content chaos slows down your content release schedule, impacts your budget, your brand awareness, and your revenue. That's where Acrolinks comes in. Our platform captures the way your enterprise communicates, aligns your content with your guidelines, and analyzes the performance of your entire content operation. We're an AI-powered platform that solves content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at scale. It supports development and product teams to write fluent, simple documentation and UI strings with maximum efficiency. Helps your marketing teams write consistent, engaging content for different target audiences across different channels and gives customer success teams more time to create knowledge articles and support content that customers can find and understand. Using the power of active content governance, Acrolinks manages content chaos so clear content gets to the right audience faster. Unify your content creators, experience efficient content creation at scale and deliver better content faster with Acrolinks. Contact us at www.acrolinks.com